Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Project Egg. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with Matt Ganzak from Michigan. How you doing today, Matt? Doing really well. Fantastic, and I'm so glad that you could join us today on the show. So let's jump right in. My first question for you today is, what is your story? Oh, man, uh, it's a... It's a good question. And I I definitely feel that it's one of the best questions that you can ask starting off because as you are learning how to create a business, it's the ability to tell your story and learn how to tell your story that becomes one of the most successful things that you can create in your business and everything that you do. So actually learning how to tell your story and having a canned story which I'm about to give you a canned story, is one of the best things that you can do, uh, both for, you know, meeting investors, meeting uh, 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 new customers and prospects, as well as uh, attracting um, people to work for you as well. So learning your story is probably one of the most uh, successful things that you can uh, learn how to do. But I do appreciate you asking that question first. That's awesome. So what is your story? I feel that my story begins with um, being invested in success at an early age. Uh, I went through Tony Robbins program in fifth grade. So I was like, you know, just less than a teenager. And I started learning personal development at a very early age. And the purpose for that was there was a bully at school. And my parents, being very much invested in personal development, found that using other uh, pers- successful personal development to help build confidence was one of the, the the most successful things that they can instill in me beyond what my education was or beyond what I could learn in, you know, uh, middle school and high school and going forward from there. So they wanted to start me on this confidence growth pattern. And I can tell you that that's one of the most successful things that they did for me as they started implementing uh, uh, the, the knowledge of personal development at an early age. Then from there, I go on to, uh, you know, work in restaurants and, you know, what every high school college kid was doing, but there was always something missing. There was a, a, a big thing missing from what I was meant to be. And, you know, actually come to find out, you know, later on the years that I was in, uh, you know, college and so forth, is when many of the startup companies that I look at today, Facebook and and so many startup companies, they were being developed. But I went to the wrong school. I went to a college that wasn't focused on uh, uh, startup businesses, was not focused on creating technology or doing any of the things that I do today and I love. So I went to the wrong school. And because of that, it set me back many years. And uh, I I just kind of got caught into this you know, drinking and partying and getting into this world through, you know, my early teens and up into 21. And then at 21 years old, I took a job at uh, my, my parents owned radio stations. And I took a job with uh, one of well, with one of the radio station companies. And I became an on air DJ, right? So I started doing, uh, you know, uh, for the rock station, you know, Matt, Matt in the midday on on the rock station. So I started doing that and I started learning that I was really good at writing and producing commercials. So I kind of fell into creating uh, uh, commercials in 2000, 
four, five, six, uh, through those years, I started creating commercials, started creating uh, these online, uh, well, not online, but on radio advertising. And then they started coming in and asking me, hey, Matt, do you know how to build websites? Do you know how to uh, then rank in search engines? Do you know how to do this? So it was one thing after another that just kind of led me to the point that, you know, hey, Matt, do you know how to set up ads in AdWords? Hey, Matt, do you know how to set up, you know, Facebook ads? Every single thing from then on was I taught myself how to do it, right? So I'm going just, you know, throughout and, uh, you know, setting up ads. I take a job in 2008 for one of the uh, top 100 at that point most visited websites and instantly got thrown this ad budget of like a million dollars per month for advertising. And it's like, Matt, figure out how to make this better. Now, I take this history of, you know, doing radio and writing commercials and doing all this, start applying it to digital on a massive scale of, you know, being able to spend millions of dollars. I start seeing these, you know, reports each day come across my desk. And, you know, we have like email reports, like open rates and, you know, all these different, you know, reports. And I was hooked. Like in 2008, when I worked that job, I was absolutely hooked on building a business. And when you see millions of dollars coming in from your efforts, and uh, we signed up over 65,000 active subscribers paying uh, whatever it was, $19 per month for the service. When you start seeing these numbers come in from your ideas and your, that what it is that you're doing, it was like unprecedented. Like it changed my life forever reading those reports because I'd come in in the morning, there would be an idea, there would be a thought, there would be something that we uh, would uh, have that we're trying to accomplish. And then by the end of the day, we had something graphically with copy and so forth in the works online, right? And then the next morning I would come in and I would see my report of open rates and, you know, uh, click-through rates and, you know, which button color. Like, literally, I had a budget of, say, hey, Matt, here's $30,000. Go figure out which button color uh, gets clicked more with, uh, you know, ads, right? And I could take that budget, spend it in a single day, and see which banner ad got clicked more based upon what button color. So having this knowledge of working from 2008 to 2014, working on this company and working, it was a sweepstakes company, international sweepstakes company, and uh, having you know millions of people sign up to the offers, I'm like, all right, I need to start implementing these in other companies. I need to start doing what I've learned here for other people. So I had some side hustle projects going and working with some clients, working with some uh, uh, startup companies. And then when I started seeing my side hustle start making more money than my full-time hustle, I was like, all right, it's time to go full-time. So from that, I always wanted to get back to creating technology. Like I, I had left that company. And when I saw you know, a monthly subscription of 65,000 people paying $19 a month or, or you know, whatever they were paying, there were some offers and whatnot. But point is, when you see those numbers coming in, when you see like active users, active subscribers, people happy and in, in the whole operation, you see like, you know, this whole thing, like a hundred tickets come in a day to customer service. We close a hundred tickets a day. Well-oiled machine. When you see that thing happening from such a high level and then you look down and say, I want this, you know, when, when that company sold, when the company exited, I helped them with, you know, their transition and their exit. When that company exited and I wasn't paid on that, 
you know, undisclosed eight figure uh, exit, uh, I was like, what am I doing? Like, I just helped a company sell for uh, inordinate amount of money. Like, I need to do this. So I started building some technology and I built uh, the first platform that I built was called Dollar Website Club. And I built that because I thought that cheap websites was the best way to go. You could get a cheap website and then you upgrade with themes, you upgrade with plugins, you just upgrade from there. Well, come to find out, I built the biggest spam network like uh, up, up to that time on the planet because all of the SEO guys that were like, hey, you know, you can get a website for a dollar and then you can earn the backlinks from that site. And you can interconnect from here and here and here and here and here. And then you can just write this and it's the most cost effective, fast cloud server uh, you know, uh, uh, spam network possible. So when I realized that no one was upgrading, there were, there were really no real businesses on the platform. I was like, well, I mean, there were, but it's not like we were hitting numbers that we needed to hit. It was just spam. And now I'm hosting, you know, thousands of spam sites and I'm like, all right, this is not working. This is not working for me. So, uh, I took that down, transitioned away and then said, okay, uh, how do we refocus this? And that's where we came up with the concept for my credits, which is a platform we have uh, that is absolutely amazing. It's the first loyalty software for coaches, e-commerce businesses that incentivize through engaging with social media. So instead of you know us going out and trying to make a server to host people's content, we're like, how do we already how do we use the servers and the systems that are already in place that they're already using and better help that connect to their customers, lowering their retargeting advertising need and putting the money right back into their customer's pocket. And it's a win-win for everyone. So we had that concept in, um, I had it on Halloween 2015. And I remember it because my, my girlfriend at the time, uh, we were at this uh, bar and it, like I, I rarely go out like it's probably in the last you know a few years I've probably been out like five times so like definitely remember and I'm like talking into her ear it's a loud bar it's Halloween I'm dressed up like uh, Clark Kent from Superman and she's Lois Lane and um, you know I'm sitting there talking to her and I'm like all right so <laughs> so I have this fantastic idea right I have this fantastic uh, thought that, that, uh, you know, we want to go forward with and here it is. And she's like, what, what are you talking about? So long story short, we end up going, building the platform, getting it online. Uh, we're married now. So, uh, we ended up getting married and, um, it, it's just been a phenomenal, uh, past few years and building technology and, and finally realizing the thing that I always wanted to achieve and finally getting to the point that, I could live the life that I wanted and build the things that I wanted and make money being able to do it. And it all started from taking, uh, taking a jump and going and working for a company in New York city. And, um, it, it was, it was crazy on so many aspects and we can talk about that in a bit. But the, the, the point is it's crazy that I thought that I was an entrepreneur in 2006. I thought that I was living this entrepreneurial lifestyle and building this thing and, doing, uh, building this business. And it wasn't, I didn't become a successful entrepreneur until I gave up that dream, went and worked for somebody else who was very successful at it and then came back and said, now I have the tools. Now I have the money. Now I have the knowledge to 
achieve what I always wanted to achieve to begin with. So it's it, it was crazy having to take a step back in order to move forward. And it 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 allowed me to get out of my own, uh, you know, spiraling uh, issues because, you know, it's hard to start up as a business. It's hard to get started. Now I feel like I have so much power and so much opportunity and so much uh, behind me because of the decision to take a step back and go and work for somebody who is much more successful than me, learn how they do everything they do, and then apply that to my business and my life. And that was the most powerful thing that I can share with you today was um, the story of going from, you know, one thing to achieving the dreams and doing it myself. So that whole thing was canned because that was very well rehearsed. And that was awesome. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's completely canned. That's the version of like telling uh, to your, your your audience and, and who's listening right now. Uh, the other like, uh, oh, you know, I was down and out like I had three hundred dollars in my bank account. I sold all of my stuff. I moved to New York City and, uh, you know, got that job. I, I went for a job interview. It wasn't even for a job. I got an apartment and did all that. That's for the audience of the people who are like, you know, down and, you know, just like, you know, miserable. But your audience, I mean, these people, listeners are coming up right now. So they need to hear that thing of like, what was the breakthrough? So that's the canned. That was my breakthrough of uh, what was what was successful with that. And it's just telling a story. You know, I was exactly where you are. And, uh, uh, you know, here is how I got to that point. So everyone listening, you know, they'll be able to take a similar okay, here's my origin story. Here is the one thing that I learned. And then here is the other side of that success. And I love that you use the word origin story because mm -hmm. to me, it's so important to see where people have come from and to mm -hmm. really see the steps that they've taken in order to get to where they are now. Mm -hmm. So by that uh, same token, Let's jump back to your early childhood. Mm -hmm. Let's talk more about when you were first getting invested in becoming successful. What was your mindset before that? And what material shifts did you see in, in making that transition to more of a success-oriented mindset? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one of the first things that I started with was uh, I had a computer that um, uh, parents, you know, set up for me and it was real early on. Uh, we had Prodigy. So it was before AOL, it was before any of that. And uh, inside, it, like it was a C prompt uh, uh, before that, like you did everything via, you know, just uh, the MS-DOS C prompt. And you ran your programs and you ran your little Oregon Trail and all those types of things. But I started learning back then how to uh, work inside of uh, file structures. And I started learning how to do all of that inside of uh, the computer and started going through and, you know, learning what, uh, you know, uh, like each file was and each thing inside of there. So I, I feel to answer your question, the first thing that I learned was something that I wanted to do and something that I wanted to be a part of. And I knew at that point when I started going through and learning like, oh, I can write this little command that would open this program on this, you know, like shift whatever. 
and I learned how to like do like little things like that. Got like a little book and started like going through it and started like writing uh, little commands and whatnot. And that's all where it started. You know, I was just learning how to do little things inside the computer. And then we got, uh, you know, the dial up internet and we had prodigy, right? And then we got to that point. And uh, then I'm logging in and seeing, you know, graphic interfaces and I'm seeing like different things like that. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, this is insanity. And I was literally like uh, just blown away by uh, technology and just blown away by what was there. You know, when the other kids were, uh, you know, playing video games and going out and doing those things, I'm just like totally invested. Like, how do I get terminal access? Like, how do I link to the other computer with this terminal? Like, how do I connect these two machines? How do I use, you know, IP protocol? Like, how do you do all this stuff? Like, you know, how do you, you know, program all these things? Uh, so that was the first thing that I really learned and it started connecting with me. And that was a very early age. I mean, we're talking uh, 10 years old, 11, 12. I start like rewiring things. Uh, then I started like taking apart all of my like mechanical things. I started taking apart like my remote control car and then trying to like merge that with another car and then put the two things together. So I've always been like interested in like breaking things down, seeing how they work and put them back together. Right. So going forward, you know, I started doing the test and the different placement tests in like middle school. And I didn't really know what it was that I needed to do. I didn't really know what, you know, was supposed to happen. I, I took the pre SATs even in ninth grade and I, I scored like off the charts and whatnot for, uh, uh, all these things. I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know what any of that meant. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. I had quite possibly the worst guidance counselor on the planet. I, I talk all about it in my book. Uh, my book is not dedicated to him, but there's like one paragraph in the book that's dedicated to him where he said, you will never amount to anything in this life. You are a loser. You will always be a loser and you will never be successful. So I just dedicated a little section to him, a couple words. And um, it, that's the thing because my parents didn't know what to do with me in terms of, you know, very off the wall, very, uh, you know, wild, rambunctious, but, you know, just breaking everything in the house, not from a standpoint of maliciousness, but from trying to figure out how things work. And then from there, uh, you know, just rambunctious in school, you know, just not really following protocol, not really following, uh, uh, you know, what it was that they had us doing. It's like, um, you know, I optimized my day in terms of like, I would go to school. I'm like, okay, well, I only need an hour to complete all my homework assignments. I'll just go, you know, 45 minutes, an hour early to homeroom and just do everything that I need to do for the entire day. And it's done. So, you know, just coming from like this, not lazy, but just optimal, like optimizing my day. And it was wrong. It wasn't their system. It wasn't their, you know, planned system for me. And I just always went against the tide. And because of that, I was a loser. Because of that, I would never amount to anything. Because of that, I will never be successful in this system of what they had. And I didn't know what was outside the system. So the one thing that I learned uh, finally later on in life is there was such more uh, of an opportunity outside of the box that they built for me. And inside of the box, there was really nothing because I already deconstructed everything in the box, put it back together, made it better. And now I'm just sitting there with the thing and I'm like, 
all right, let me out of the box. Like I, I, I don't belong in this box. And I, I would have to say that was the thing that, that really, I knew I was different at that point when I started, you know, just destroying everything and then just putting it back together and saying like, all right, now I made it better. So, so for those who are listening, who are, maybe maybe they find themselves in a situation where they didn't have this burning passion uh, from such a young age, mm-hmm. but they know they're good at things, they know they have skills, but they they ha- they didn't find that thing. They didn't they didn't realize that they love to uh, deconstruct and reconstruct something just because they wanted to figure out figure mm-hmm. it out. They didn't realize that they were in this box. You know, they they were just maybe going through life and and knowing that there was more, but they, maybe not being able to fully articulate it. Understood. How would you suggest kind of retroactively going back uh, and piecing that together in order to then figure out you know what they should be focusing on now, what their true strengths are now? Yeah. Um... I really do feel and and I disagree very strongly with um, uh, like Mark Cuban has been actually talking about this recently of, you know, don't go with your passions. Uh, One of the things that he's been saying is, um, you know, trying to follow your passions and live your dreams is the worst advice anyone could ever give you. I I disagree 100 percent. He's much more successful than I am, but I disagree 100 percent. I, I don't feel like in, in his his purpose, right, uh, of saying that and I'll get to my point here as well. But his purpose of saying that was that, you know, he always wanted to be a baseball player. And if he followed his dreams to be a baseball player, he wouldn't be where he is today because he would have just been a broke baseball player because he could only throw a fastball like 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, which the pros are throwing 100 miles an hour. So he could never be that thing. If he would have just followed his passion and lived his dreams, he would have never accomplished the thing that uh, uh, he's done, right? Now, here's, here's my theory on that. I think that fundamentally, um, you know, living your passion, living your dreams, following your dreams, following your passions is one of the most important things that you can do. But the thing that you think that you should be chasing is quite not the thing that you should be chasing, right? So underlying, you know, he had a passion for sports. He had a passion for something like teamwork. He had a passion for something like competition. Maybe it was something underlying below the surface. And if your arm can't throw hard enough to, you know, uh, uh, throw a fastball in order to get in the major leagues, that doesn't mean that you're still not living your passion. He owns a professional sports team, right? So inside, he, he lived and achieved his passion. Now, here's the thing. I write in my book, The Million Dollar Plan, I write about one of the passions, one of the things that I've always wanted to accomplish was uh, uh, figuring out how to uh, create transportation better in the world. Like, it's just something I've always wanted to do. Like, I want to buy some property and start figuring out how to build roads better, right? Like, I literally want to do this still. And I talk about in the book, if I took the money that I had at that point and invested it into building the roads and starting to try to do it, I would have failed. I would have failed miserably. However, 
I can take that money, invest it into other things, make more and start leveling up to the point that eventually I can do the, the thing that I'm most passionate about and do that thing. So Mark, he couldn't throw the fastball, but still he went and did other things in order to build to the point that he could buy the team. And he still lived his passion, never let go of that dream because perhaps when he was sitting in the board meetings or, you know, doing all the hard work that he didn't want to do, like one day I'm going to own the Mavericks. One day I'm going to get into sports. One day I'm going to live my dream. It's the thing that drove him throughout the entire thing that he finally got to that thing, whether it's, you know, in the front of your mind or passively in the back of your mind, you still are living the passion of what it is that you're trying to achieve. So I have things that I want to achieve on a massive scale to where I leave a legacy and it's not like, oh, that's mad, the guy that built technology or built that massive technology company. I don't want just that. I want to change the way people engage, not just online, but with each other outside in the world. I want to make the world a better place. So inside my book, I talk a lot about those things that I want to accomplish. Now, I would never be able to accomplish those things today if it wasn't for the, the steps that I took in order to get to the point that I could start making an impact on the world, right? So uh, uh, long, long response to your question. But in, in essence, I feel that people need to look inside to find what the passion is. And whatever that passion is, they need to break down not just the goal of what that passion is, like I want to you know, throw the game-winning pitch at the World Series, da-da-da-da. Like if that's your passion, why? Why do you want to throw that pitch? What's the underlying you know, success? Is it the competition? Is it the camaraderie? Like, do you want that you know, picture of you know, your catcher coming out and you, know, you jumping up onto your catcher and having that moment? Is that moment the thing that you want? Because I had that moment when I got my job in New York City and I moved there for a job interview and literally I had enough money for dollar slices of pizza for three weeks and that was it. After that, I had no money. Like I was completely broke and it was a dollar slice of pizza. Like it's like four bucks a day I could afford for, for food, right? And when I got that job and they, they pitched me 30K a year and I said, no, I need 60K a year plus benefits. And when I left that job interview, I was like, well, I blew it. So started getting like all my bartending equipment out and like, you know, how do you make a Manhattan again? Started going through, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, make drinks. But when when I got that call and somebody was like, you got the job, I did the thing where you jump up in the air and, you know, kind of freeze frame for a moment in time. That was my moment of winning the World Series. So much smaller of uh, of a situation than winning the World Series with a baseball team. It, it's so much smaller, but on my scale, that was the most massive moment in the history of my life is getting a job doing technology, getting a job doing something that I didn't have a degree in, getting a job doing something that I was passionate about. And listen, it was even technology like a sweepstakes. I wasn't crazy about sweepstakes, right? But I was crazy about technology. So you have to find the underlying you know, purpose of what it is that you want to create and or what it is that you want to do and then figure out how to extrapolate that into what it is that you can do. So to, to Mark, I don't think that he should be going out there telling people to not live their passions. I feel that that's more dangerous than other people telling people to live their passions. My thing is 
live your passion, but find out why under the surface of what it is that you want to do. And you have to dig deeper. So if you just think like, oh, I just want to do technology, like my thing is actually seeing the code. Like when I log in and see in my GitHub, like millions of lines of code that we've developed over the last couple of years, that is my why. Like that's my purpose of like, this is it. I've always wanted to build my own technology from scratch. I've broken down WordPress a thousand different ways and, you know, broken down all these other technologies. And I, I wanted to build my own technology. So my architecture that I built, that I created inside of our platform, that is like super smart, by the way. So that technology that my team and I built is my World Series. That is my moment. So you have to find what that thing is that you want to achieve and then figure out how to work towards it because it's going to be expensive. It's going to be an uphill battle. It's going to take thousands of hours of your time. You're going to want to quit every single day. There are so many things that are going to stop you from achieving that end goal. And you have to break through each and every one of those uh, uh, problems each and every day. And the only way that you can do it and get out of bed every morning and accomplish the thing that you're trying to accomplish for the day is if you have the underlying purpose of what it is that you're trying to uh, uh, do in life. And that's that's what drives people. And that's what I ended up finding to drive me. And um, that's it. So hopefully that answers your question. It was a roundabout. Yeah, and it answered a few other questions too. So I'm, I'm, glad, you, uh, I'm glad you took the time to really bring the point full circle. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about your parents and, mm -hmm. and the home that you grew up in. So it seems like one of the themes that at least to me seems like it has been uh, recurring through your childhood is a lot of support from your parents. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about what that meant to you and then also, can you talk about how you would suggest somebody who hasn't had that support mm -hmm. still get those lessons and still achieve those things that you were able to achieve um, from, you know, from your perspective? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there, there are aspects of it where I feel that the support that they were giving me wasn't necessarily the support that I needed. And um, I, I can honestly say that, you know, dealing with a, a bully in school and, and putting some putting a, a kid into Tony Robbins program was probably not the, the smartest thing to do. It was probably not the, the, the most supportive thing to do, but it was the only thing that they really knew how to do because they were so busy in their life and so busy, uh, you know, uh, being entrepreneurial and the things that they were doing that they didn't have much time for me. So, uh, you know, for example, I had two choices, like, you know, growing up, I could either go out to the golf course and play golf all day. Uh, cause we had like a, a membership to, um, uh, the, the golf course and so forth, or I could go to the radio stations and I could work. And that was like, you know, being a kid like I was board hopping when I was like 10 years old, 11 years old, like, you know, pushing and putting the slide and cartridge, you know, it's even before like, you know, the technology and whatnot, but it was, it was driving me to work. Right. Or I could go and play golf because that was the, that was the, the trade-off. I had to do one of the two. 
So I ended up playing uh, like 56 to 72 holes per day. And I would go out to the golf course and I would just be on the course all day long because I hated working at the radio station. I hated doing what what they were doing because it was just obnoxious. So I, I, I just didn't like doing it at an early age. So it, it wasn't necessarily the support system. It was more of they were indirectly guiding me to the thing that I, you know, got to today. So it was, uh, you know, I learned to be competitive. I learned to, you know, go out and be a self-starter. I learned to go out and make new friends on my own and, you know, do the things and, and so forth on my own. I, I learned everything on my own because my parents weren't there all the time for me. So in, in essence, it created what I am today, self-starter, uh, kind of a loner, uh, wanted to go and, you know, figure things out on my own, didn't necessarily want to, you know, have uh, somebody just hand everything to me. So it, it indirectly, you know, it, it wasn't even a support system. It was like an anti-support system in so many different ways that I became so independent. Like it got to the point that uh, I can remember even in like uh, you know, late elementary school that I had my bike and we would just ride around and my parents had absolutely no idea where I was at any point in time. Like I could be, you know, off doing anything and they literally had no idea where I was. And uh, that kind of uh, created what I am today in, in that side as well, because sometimes, you know, my parents message me and they're like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in a different country. It's like I'm in a different state. I'm I'm someplace completely different. Like they don't even know where I am, like where in the where in the world I am. And it's I'm always off on another adventure. So in that regard, you know, it wasn't necessarily that somebody just gave me a support system. It was here is my world. And then I adapted to it to become, you know, what I am and, and what I do today. It gave me good work ethic. It gave me good. Uh, vision and focus and put me into the, uh, the, 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 the bucket of the personality type that I am. And it created what I am. And if I was, if I were to be an analyst, which I totally could have been an analyst, I could have been an engineer, an analyst or anything like that from breaking things down and putting it together, I would have had to, you know, sit and study and, you know, stay focused, not go on adventures, not leave this, you know, adventurous lifestyle. But because I, you know, had that freedom or had that, that was part of my, my life, I led to create that. So I don't feel like you can create your own like origin, if you will, you can't create your own, uh, uh, you know, where you came from or the, you know, personality that you created from an early age. You just need to learn what it is and then start applying those, uh, what you have, to uh, what it is that you want to do. Because, you know, at the end of the day, if I would right now, let, like, let's say I go and become an engineer, right? Or something like that, because you're saying, oh, you're passionate at putting things together. You know, you should have been an engineer and, you know, creating things. Let's say I go and do it. If you give me a year that I have to sit in this little, you know, or maybe even a big workshop, let's make it a huge workshop. Even a huge workshop, if you put walls up around me and tell me I have to stay inside of there, which this is my office and I, I'm always in here, but if you tell me I have to stay in here, like the world's going to close down on me and I'm going to feel like, you know, I, I got to get out. I got to break out, right? 
even though I put myself in this office for, you know, hours and hours every day, I have the freedom to go walk around. I have the freedom to go outside, even though I don't. I have the f- freedom to jump in my car and, you know, just gun it around the neighborhood. Like, but I don't. I sit in here all day long and I work on my dreams, but that's because no one's telling me I have to be here. I decide to be here. But you have to go back and say, what is my personality? Where am I? And then how do I uh, uh, use that personality to then go and do the things that I'm passionate about? So you have to you know, not necessarily change the things about your past. You have to learn how to take your past and turn it into a positive. You see, one of the things that I love so much about doing interviews like this is that you're, you know, at least from my perspective, the uh, the ability to be so completely off when 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 you know reading somebody and and you know um, un- trying to understand and and to you know to learn from that that's it, that's one of my favorite things. So thank you for for correcting the uh, the perspective that I had and and you know shedding. Oh no, like that. definitely no, definitely not a correction by any means. It's just kind of the it's it's what I found and I didn't even know that that was a thing until you get like close to the finish line and then you look back and you're like, Oh, you know what? Like that, that's a thing, you know, like that, that is actually the thing behind me. Like that's insane. So it's getting to that end goal that you've always been wanting and you don't even know that you want it. And then you get to the end goal and you look back and then it's like, Oh wow. Like that's crazy that I followed this trend. Although you know, all, you know, knowledge would say that I should be going in a totally different direction. But I didn't. I just let life happen and I let my passions and my energy drive me. And that's what got me to, you know, where I am. And analytically, I shouldn't be here. Analytically, I should have went on a different path. And I didn't. And that's what's crazy. That's what's, uh, that's what Mark Cuban got so wrong. And sorry for calling him out several times on this, but that's what he got so wrong because you have to just follow your passion or follow the energy that carries you and then look back to see where you came and what you accomplished because you have to let that carry you. You can't just be analytical all the time. And he's much more successful than me. So some would say, you know, hey, you know, Matt, you're stupid. Like you're you're calling a guy like, all right, just wait until I hit 50. You know, give me like 15 years and then let's let, let's look side by side. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that. And like you said, you know, maybe maybe at this particular point in time, but I mean, there's there's always more time. And, and, you know, I feel like we all have the same 24 hours in a day. We all have the same amount of years in our life. So, you know, what I think what counts is what we accomplish in those years. So and how you feel about it, mm-hmm. how you feel about your accomplishments. Because my accomplishments of having millions of lines of code means absolutely nothing to anyone but me. But that is like, I love it. I love what we created and I love what we do. And that means nothing to anyone. Uh, You know, maybe later on when we sell the company and they look at it, it's like, oh, the architecture of this is so smart. But for today, you know, that's, that's it. Like, it's just me and I feel it and it you know, feels like nothing to anyone else, but it's, it feels awesome for me. And I love what you said also about going through the journey and, and 
kind of going down the rabbit hole and then looking back afterwards and being like, whoa, that's awesome. You know, because, yeah. I, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur for probably four years now. I think right around four years, a little more than that. And the thing that I started off doing is totally different from what I'm doing now. And I yeah. never would have been able to predict it, but by following the passion, by following what felt good, kind of like what you were saying, it, it truly has led to the thing that, that is very fulfilling at this point. And, um, you know, if, if not for that, for chasing that passion, we might not be speaking right now. So it's, you know, it's, it's truly a gift. So I want to talk about uh, fifth grade for you. Mm -hmm. And I know we're talking a lot about your childhood, but to me, it's really important to go through and truly understand your story throughout every facet. So in fifth grade, when you went to that Tony Robbins event, what was that like for you? I mean, you were probably the youngest person there or one of the youngest people there. What was that like for you? What was the feeling of being there? What did you, uh, what was your experience? Yeah, absolutely. I, I just went through uh, the tapes and his books at that point. So I didn't actually go to an event, but um, I, I wish I would have, like definitely wish I would have. Uh, I'm not sure if he was doing many events, you know, in that year. I'm sure that I would have went to it, but I was doing the tapes and I was doing the homework assignments. Like I was like writing out on paper and doing the things on each tape. Uh, it was, you know, a huge book and each one of the tapes was in the book. I mean, this is before CDs and, and so forth because I'm old, I guess. So, um, you know, I would go through and listen to them and write the notes and do it the best I could. But there were so many things I didn't understand. But what it was teaching me was my personal power. And it was teaching me that I have so much confidence that's inside of here and so much ability. And all I have to do is just tap into it. And it, it, it lives inside of each and every person. And you can tap into it at any point in time and create that success of your life that you've always wanted and, and accomplishments and so forth. So it was wild going through stuff like that because, you know, my parents don't really give me um, or up to that point never really gave me any motivating talks. Right. You know, it, it, it's not really motivation to you know, Hey, go do your homework, you know, Hey, go do this. It's usually like, if you don't do this, then you don't get this. That's not necessarily inspiration or motivation. That's, um, you know, taking away and going into more of a negative space. So hearing motivational talk for the first time was just wild. And I, I can say that, um, you know, th there's kind of a movement right now that I'm, I'm seeing online of people saying that motivation is garbage. And it's probably, uh, again, one of the most destructive things that you can post online is saying that motivation is garbage. Because if you would have continued uh, uh, down the path, if you could, would have continued me down this destructive path, I would have been destructive my entire life. I would have never figured out that, you know, I have so much power inside of me because everything was like, you know, worthless and, you know, you're so bad and, you know, you got a bad grade on this test and, you know, uh, just miserable. Right. But what I learned from, you know, positivity and the power of positivity and the power of that positive energy was that every failure is a step towards success. 
every single time that I fail is a chance that I can do better the next time and go beyond that for the next time. And every single time that I failed, like I never had positive feedback up until that point where it was like, oh, you know, every failure is a chance to improve and get better. Like my parents never said that to me. They literally never said those words. So, you know, growing up, I didn't have positivity or motivation in my life until that moment. And when I started bringing that into my life, I started changing my future. And, you know, like if you could have like a, a Doc Brown time machine, you know, and, and go into the future, Matt's future, before I started, you know, going through the personal development and then after the personal development in fifth grade, like it's two completely different timelines. Like that was the, the, the point in time where it completely shifted where my future was going to go. And also I would say going forward, each time I have a, a motivational event or a, a, you know, inspirational or meet a motivational person or whatever, it splits my timeline again. So if you go down the, the path and, you know, I'm, I'm invested in motivation and I'm invested in, you know, uh, thinking positively and being, you know, a shining radiating light in the world. Uh, I feel like a lot of the people out there bashing motivation or bashing these things, you know, you go down their timeline on Facebook and it's just like miserable, miserable, miserable. Their life is miserable, but they're attracting other miserable people to their life and they're making money because there are a lot of miserable people in the world, right? So if you're continuing to put out there into the world misery, you're going to attract misery. If you put out into the world, you know, the broke mentality, you're going to attract broke mentality people. Whatever it is that you put out into the world, you will find come back to you. So I believe that by me going out and, and I, you know, I have a meeting coming up with one of the most motivational people and just signed on as a client. Um, and if I wasn't doing what I was doing today, none of these people would be coming into my world. And I, you know, I, I actually look at some of the people that you've interviewed. Some of them are my clients, like people that I've worked with because, you know, the top people come to me because of the energy that I put out there into the world, because of things like this, because of the things that we're doing. And it all stemmed from that time in fifth grade that I went through that training and went through that program. And I wouldn't be doing anything that I was doing today if it didn't begin with that first fork in the road. Uh, that happened at that moment. So I guess you could say it was a pretty pivotal moment in your life. That is incredible. Yeah. It, it's so amazing to be able to truly pinpoint like a defining moment, a yeah. moment that it has so much power in our lives. Yeah. And that's just amazing. Thanks for sharing that. So, oh, appreciate it. So let's talk about we're moving on into more of your adolescent years. Uh, in in high school, um, let's let's really focus in on on there for a little while. You talked about how you were working in restaurants uh, and doing other things like that. Um, can you talk about how you you really felt during that time and, and what that experience was really like for you? Because it seems like there's kind of these two competing things. It seems like one there's this uplifting motivational, very positive, growth-oriented uh, uh, part of you. And then mm -hmm. on the other side, there's almost this like shackled, uh, uh, almost tortured part of, of where 
you know, you feel like you're not in the right place, you're not at the right school, uh, you're getting put in this box and you're not free. So yeah. it seems like they're kind of those two competing forces. How did that manifest itself in high school and what was your experience truly like during that time? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in high school, I uh, got moved around a lot because uh, my, my dad sold his radio stations in Florida, signed a non-compete, and I had to move with him to South Carolina and uh, so forth. So tons of moving. Like I've lived in like seven different states and like 30 different cities. Uh, so it's, you know, literally insane. But um, so I moved around a lot. And when I moved up to South Carolina, I ended up uh, not knowing anybody in the school. And I would play this little game with myself of seeing if I could go the entire day without saying a single word. And I didn't say a single word the entire day several times in a row. Uh, I was trying to go an entire week of not speaking to anyone, not speaking to a teacher, not speaking to another student. Um, I, I was just in my own shell. And I would literally go the entire day without talking to a single person. And uh, that was, you know, just I didn't make friends. I, I wasn't really happy where I was. And I just focused on the study. So what I found was I could take all of my elective courses and I could uh, throw them, you know, throw them away, like, you know, the study hall and all those things. So I stacked my entire schedule for two years. And um, when I got done with those two years, I ended up going uh, back for senior year to a different school. And I, I went to so many different schools moving around. Uh, basically, I had all my credits already done, like for high school. I basically had high school already passed. And I started going back and retaking like 11th grade English. And I started retaking other classes just to get better grades and just to, you know, boost up my GPA and so forth. So my point being, uh, the end of uh, the second part of my high school, like the second semester of senior year of high school, I didn't have to really go to school like at all. So I ended up getting three jobs. So I had three almost full-time jobs at that point. And there's the child labor laws. You're like, oh man, child labor laws. Well, the child labor law is you can't work 20 hours, uh, uh, you know, more than 20 hours per job. But what I found is you could work 20 hours for each job. So I had three jobs. I was working 20 hours a week and I was working as much as they would physically let me. And uh, what I found was that I loved like technology. I was, I was working in technology. The other job was sales and the other job was kind of food and whatnot. So I started learning what it was that I loved doing. And I just found like three different jobs. One of them was like with computers and so forth. So I loved that. And then the other one was selling like high ticket items. I was selling like home gyms and treadmills and whatnot. Like they were just like, oh, this, this 17 year old just sold like five treadmills today. This is insane. He beat our entire company record in one single day. So I started learning sales and, you know, learning some of those techniques and then customer service and, you know, some of the other areas on the restaurant side. So I started figuring out what I liked doing, but I didn't know that I was learning so many key fundamentals of business at that point in time, but I was doing it like indirectly. And I started learning like all these things and started like shifting around and learning all these businesses and uh, different things like that. But every single company that I worked for uh, growing up through high school and then also through college, it was always like, oh yeah, that's Matt. He doesn't belong here. Right. Every single job that I had was like, yeah, that's Matt. He doesn't belong here. He'll, he'll be out of here soon. You know, he'll go on to, you know, bigger things or, you know, I was always going up and always trying to, 
you know, amp myself up. And then I got uh, into MLM in uh, 2006 when I was working at restaurants and so forth. And, you know, started like working on the ways that I, I pitched and sold and, you know, just kind of learning so many different things. And, you know, there's so many negative uh, uh, connotations with uh, uh, MLM, but it taught me a lot about building funnels before funnels were actually a thing. It taught me a lot about networking and building a network and building all these things. So, you know, I have good memories of, of doing that. And, you know, I probably broke even with everything that I did. I ended up moving like through my network over a million dollars in product within a year, but still as break even when you're spending $20,000 a month on uh, advertising and then you're, you're making just about that back and then nothing is really stacking because it's all first line business and nothing is growing deeper uh, and so forth. So I quit doing that, started doing websites and so forth. But it was always every job was like, Matt doesn't belong here. Matt, he's outside of what he should be doing. Like, you know, I, I would be a, a server at the restaurants. Right. And I'm waiting tables and I'm selling more than anyone else. And I'm getting them on the upsells. I'm getting them on the other things. Like I would go through and make my own specials because a restaurant didn't have a special for the day. I would just make my own special like Matt's special. And they would just write it on the ticket and throw it up in the window. Like I started creating my own reality and started creating like my own uh, uh, sales system. Right. So, um, you know, they would give you four tables at the restaurant. And I always like working next to this one girl because she would get overwhelmed with her four tables and ask to go down to two. I would pick up her other two tables and I would run six. So I would say like, all right, well, you know, I would make sure the hostess sat all of my tables at the same time. I would go through, get everyone's drink order, everyone's appetizer, everyone's, you know, food order, optimize it. And then I could start taking on other tables. And I got to the point that I would just be sitting in the back with, you know, like my watch on a timer, just like. Yep. I have uh, six minutes and then I have to go back out there and everyone's like running around like crazy. It's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, nope, nope. Um, okay. Now I'll go out there. And that was it. I had everything so well optimized that I knew when I needed to go and make my rounds and so forth. And, uh, and it was so well timed. And then I would like write people's names down and have like this organization chart, whatever. I didn't belong where I was. Right. I never belonged where I was. But I didn't have anyone, I didn't have a mentor, I didn't have anyone step in and say what I should be doing differently. I never had somebody say, like, Matt, you know, you, you don't belong here. You don't belong doing what it is that you're doing. I guess I didn't meet the right people at the restaurant. No one, like, you know, found me as talent and, you know, carved me and built me into what I needed to be. I always learned it on my own. And it takes much longer to learn things on your own than somebody that's already you know, accomplished it, go back and say, Hey, you don't belong here. Here you go. Um, and I, I can honestly say that I just always felt like I did not belong every single job, every single thing that I did, I did not belong. I always created a new solution that optimized it, made things go smoother and, uh, made things, you know, so much easier. We made more money, whatever that might be. And I just never belonged at doing what it was that I was doing because uh, honestly, I wasn't getting paid for st most of the optimization that I was doing and I should have been. So I think that when I found mentors that started teaching me my value and I started learning how valuable the things organizationally that I do, then it started becoming a point that, um, yes, um, uh, I, I, I start to feel like I belong here. I belong doing what I'm doing today. And before I just didn't, I didn't belong ever in what I was doing. So you said that 
when you when you did finally start to learn the value that you were truly providing was when you started to find the right mentors and, and you started mm-hmm. connecting with the right people. Did that happen in college or did that happen afterward? Where did where did that piece really fit into the timeline? Yeah. So 2008, I was doing, um, you know, uh, working for that company and I still didn't know what my value was. Like I sold myself at 60,000 a year and, um, you know, that was like, that was monumental. But then when you break it down at like hourly and being there at the desk and all of the investments and everything that I did and, you know, the tens of millions of dollars that I made this company, you know, is, was it worth it? You know, no, it wasn't worth it. Even at that point, I wasn't valuing myself correctly. And, you know, then go forward. My uh, first mentor, CEO of that company, passed away while on vacation. And um, he was supposed to come back and make me his right hand, have me take over the company, whatever it was that he wanted me to do. He was transitioning me into that. And then when he passed away, I just, you know, that dream was gone and his wife ended up selling the company and so forth. And I still didn't know what my value was. So then I go forward and I'm just selling my time at that amount of money that I was, you know, charging at, at, at that point. I just started selling my time at that money. I was charging clients $50 an hour. So I had clients just taking up my time at $50 an hour and still wasn't valued. So then you keep going forward. You keep going on from there. And I'm still not selling my time correctly. So I keep going. And, and then I start getting some uh, uh, folks, uh, coaches, mentors, buying my services and buying my time for dirt cheap. And they start buying up my time and they're just like, wow, this is incredible. You're making us, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a week extra. You know, we're going to buy more of your time. We keep buying and buying and buying. Right. And it's like, then they started like telling me like, Hey, by the way, you're not charging the right amount of money for what it is that you're doing. Like you're, you're literally undercutting yourself big time. So when I had some of my mentors, some of the people that I worked with, uh, start telling me that and start showing me like, you know, Hey, you're on par with, you know, some of these other, I'm not going to name some of the, the top people, but you know, the things that you're doing are on par with, you know, these folks. And honestly, I've gotten on the phone with some of those folks and they're like, Matt, like, will you get on the phone with my people and teach them how to do what it is that you're doing? So when it gets to that point and you start learning uh, through these people that you looked up to and they're like, yeah, we really don't know what we're doing. You do know what you're doing. And now finally we know what we're doing. Like, this is fantastic. So when those people started hiring me in 2015 and uh, I, I was making good money up to that point, but when they started hiring me in like 2015 and paying me a premium for my time, when I started learning that, I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I have been devaluing myself so much because people are using my back to get to their next step. And it's breaking my back because I will do it no matter what. Like I'm on call no matter what. I'll take a call no matter when. I will do it no matter what. No excuses. And I just completely devalued my time in terms of selling services and so forth. So when I started learning 
what the value of my time was through mentors and through, and then I go and explore and hire other mentors and I'm in other masterminds and other things like that. And now I'm like, wow, like I didn't know anything about this until people in masterminds started hiring me to do marketing for them and so forth. And now here we are now I'm buying, you know, all these mentoring programs and personal, uh, uh, you know, uh, master classes and other things like that. And now I'm like leveling up exponentially because of all these things. And it was the mentors that explained to me, you're undervaluing yourself and undervaluing uh, your service and what it is that you do. So when I learned that, it, it completely changed my business. So let's talk a little bit about how somebody could do that in their own lives today. Like you said that it, it was going on until somebody else came and, and gave you that wake up call. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm sure it was a I'm sure it was a lot of self discovery where you learned and, and you made that connection and it wasn't them saying you're worth this amount. It was it was probably working with them that you developed your own idea of, of what your value truly was worth. So how does somebody do that? You know, for, for those listening, how can they do that? How can they realize how much they're actually worth without having to, to take all that time? And, and I don't know if it was a mistake, but if it was to make those same mistakes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In like 2013, uh, I had a client that was, um, basically we get on the phone and just say, I don't know what you're doing. Like we're just printing money. Like this doesn't even feel like it's right. And it's not like we were selling anything that was uh, illegal. We were selling macaroons. Like we were selling like little macaroon cookies. And it was like, whatever you're doing, it's like you're printing money right now. This is insane. You put a little bit of money into Google and all this money comes out in sales. Like, what is this? So when I started learning that and when I started learning uh, from clients and from client successes, that is what gave me the confidence to start, you know, going a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further. And uh, at that time, I mean, I was charging her like 700 bucks a month for, you know, management services like AdWords management services. And uh, we drove over $100,000 in revenue through the campaigns in a single month and uh, continued to drive over 100 grand. I connected them up with um, my contacts over at some some big flower company. And then they started doing affiliate deals together and started making all that money off the affiliate deals. I didn't get paid on any of this. I was still charging my little 700 bucks a month or 800 bucks a month for the service. And I, I wasn't charging what it was that I should have been charging. And I set them up and gave them the keys to the kingdom. Like everything was in their technology. Like I had no control over anything. So it was like, okay, now we have a monkey just, you know, pressing the switches and you know, that's it. And we don't really need you anymore. So like I wrote myself out of that business so quickly. So, uh, you know, then from there I, you know, uh, took on other folks and, you know, worked with other folks, some of them that have, uh, you know, done these with you and, um, just started helping them like exponentially, you know, grow their business and, you know, same thing. Like, you know, I, I didn't get a percentage off of any of the sales and I was just getting, you know, just paid my fee but that was it. But, you know, from there, I was able to go and start selling that uh, success out to other people. And I just continuously kept selling the success and selling and selling and selling. So I think in, in short, you'll never know 
um, like what it is that you need to accomplish or what it is that you need to achieve. It just has to happen. And you need to know to look out for it. And when you see it, you need to find, okay, how can I leverage this to then go and expand my value? Whether it's um, uh, a lot of times what we do with our contracts is first 90 days uh, is, you know, paid. You have to pay for our time first 90 days. After that 90 days, we'll decide if we want to go forward with a percentage partnership and things that we do. So uh, that's one aspect of how we work in our business uh, because uh, we found that after 90 days, we start making companies a ton of money like hand over fist, tons and tons of money. And in order for us to stay motivated in it, we have to have some sort of ownership in the sales side of it. So, um, you know, it, it definitely makes sense to do that if you're, you know, running a service-based business uh, and uh, you're selling your time for money in that regard. Um, you know, don't go and look for the partnerships up front because um, a partnership is a two-way street. Uh, them as well. You don't know if you want to work with them. So just do a 90 day agreement and then new agreement to follow and then go from there with the partnership after that to learn how you like working together. I think that's a, that's a great model to, uh, to, mm -hmm. to use. So for those listening, I would, I would maybe go back and listen to that a couple times because that could really, really make a huge impact on your business. And there've actually been a lot of things that Matt's been saying throughout this this entire uh, interview thus far, you might want to you know take some notes as you're going through, and then go back and really listen to it a couple times. Soak in. So, you know, when it comes to hello, hello. Hey Matt, sorry about that. Yeah, uh, no worries. I'm having some work done downstairs because we're I'm doing a complete uh, kitchen remodel. So you're good, man. They uh, yeah, they chopped off the internet for a second. Okay, so you're good. Let me make sure we're recording. Okay, so we're recording again. It'll be two. Uh, I'll I'll cut it together. Slice and make it. sure. Yeah, make sure everything's kosher. Um, okay. Yeah, just let me know whenever you're ready, and we can. Uh, yeah, ready to go. Keep going. Okay. Okay, so let me just keep back in the zone myself. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So, so when you were at first going for that job in New York, you said you had moved there and you were getting dollar slice pizza, and you had oh, yeah. about three weeks of, uh, of, of capital to live on. How did you know that, and, and 
you know, caveat that by saying it seems like you learned a lot there that then you translated into future success. Mm-hmm. How did you know that that specific company was the the organization that you wanted to work with and how did you really make that choice of this is exactly what I want to go after? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I had two interviews lined up and it was uh, like September uh, 2008 and I had two interviews lined up and I needed to take one of the two because I was more or less not evicted from my place down uh, where I was living in Georgia, uh, but I was asked to leave more or less because I really couldn't make the bills and whatnot. I started selling everything that I owned. Um, I sold my guitar amps and uh, uh, my guitars and like everything. Like now I have like whole wall of guitars and you know all these things and like my guitar amps in my office and everything. Like I rebuilt back up. You know you can always rebuild, right? So I sold everything. Uh, like literally, I had a lady come in and was rummaging through my kitchen, and I was like, you know, take anything you want, and then we'll just, you know, come up with a cost for it. I was literally selling my plates and my, uh, uh, you know, like everything. Like I, I sold my bed. I sold my TV. TV was the first thing to go. Sold the bed. Sold all of my furniture. I was still in this apartment, and all I had was a chair and a little desk and my laptop. That's all I had left in this entire apartment. I was sleeping on the floor. And so it got to the point that I had to, I had to make a jump, right? And I had, two, um, I had two interviews. One of them was with the Detroit Red Wings to take over their new media. And uh, being a Michigan boy, uh, I wanted that more than anything in the world. And I wanted, like, I wanted to work for the Red Wings my entire life. Like, that was it. I was going to run all their social media manage, they called it new media. I was going to manage all of that for, uh, the Red Wings. And, uh, one of my, uh, uh, people that I looked up to, uh, on the wings all growing up was the president of the company at that time. So he was going to be my boss with one person in between us. And it, it would be unreal. But I called my family that lived up in Michigan in 2008. They're like, do not move here. Like, I don't care. Uh, you know, which company uh, you work for, if it's the wings, if it's, you know, whatever, if it's, you know, God himself, do not move to Detroit right now. Like this place is not where you should be moving to at this moment in time. Now things have come up in the last 10 years, but in 2008, it was, it was a war zone. And so I was like, all right, where am I going to go? I started applying also uh, for jobs out in LA. And then I, I was just thinking like, where's a place that's like recession proof, right? And that was New York City. Like New York City is always going to be recession proof because there's so commerce, so much commerce going on there. So I just started applying to jobs in New York. Any job in New York that was technology or websites or graphic design or whatever it would be, I was applying to all of them. So when I got an interview of a company that was actually willing to talk to me, because most of them weren't willing to talk to you, it's like, okay, can you come in for an interview tomorrow? No, I can't. I'm in Georgia. It's like, all right, so I can't help you. All right, bye. Hang up. You know, they have thousands of people, right? But I built a website and I showcased myself on video and I put it up there and put all my client successes and I organized it into, you know, my past, my present and my future. 
And then I had a call to action. So each page had like a story about my past, my present, my future. And uh, everything was tailored to landing a job. So I found a guy in New York that was willing to do a video interview. And because of that, that was massive. If they're willing to at least have a video interview with me, I am willing to, you know, make some arrangements as well. So uh, what happened was we had two interviews and he's like, I, I like it. I would like for you to come in and work with us for the day. So it's going to be on, I don't, I don't remember the exact date, like October like 25th, let's say it was. I need you to come in for one day and work with us. I was like, okay. So uh, I sold everything, everything I owned, and I got a, enough money to put down on an apartment that I found with a guy on Craigslist, a random guy on Craigslist, and I sent him every single penny I had. I sent him like $1,500. I sent it all to him. And it's like, this is a down payment for this apartment. I'll pay you the rest when I get there. So that was a thing. Like I had three weeks to make money and I, I had to pay this guy, you know, for the next month rent or else I didn't have it. And, um, I didn't have enough money for a plane ticket. So my mom actually got me a one way plane ticket and I flew into New York for the first time. I'd never been there in my entire life with four bags, everything I owned. Um, I, I left my dog, I left my car, I left, uh, everything behind and I just moved there with four bags. And, uh, when I showed up, I had no idea what I was getting myself into, had a car service come and pick me up because I figured I couldn't figure out the taxi service. Uh, went and moved up into this, uh, uh, one bedroom apartment or two bedroom apartment, sorry, with this guy that I didn't know. And, um, he was like, all right, that's cool. You know, when's your furniture showing up? I'm like, I have no furniture. And I was like covering up on the ground. October is pretty cold in New York. It's covering up on the ground, just sleeping on the hardwood floor with, uh, you know, just my clothes, using my clothes to cover up. And, uh, I lived like that for several weeks, but I went into that job, uh, that, that it was like an interview, like a working type interview, like come and work with us for the day. And it was doing graphic design and I sucked at graphic design. I had just bought Adobe a couple months earlier, um, just because, uh, I wanted to figure out how to use Photoshop and I was just terrible at it. So I was, you know, going through YouTube videos and teaching myself design. I was terrible. I was one of the worst graphic designers on the planet. And, um, you know, I was interviewing for a job for graphic design. They needed to watch me create a page. So my, my task was create a page in Photoshop, turn it into Dreamweaver, put it into HTML, CSS and export it and then give it to us to upload onto our server. And I was like, I have no idea how to do this. So um, when they told me what the task was, it took me seven days to learn how to teach myself how to do it. So then when I went in, I did the job, I did the task. They're like, wow, actually this page is really cool. Like, you know, uh, whatever. So then they came and, you know, asked me what I wanted to do and so forth. I told them I wanted to manage a team. So the job was uh, 30,000 a year for an entry level graphic design. I said, I want to manage your whole team and I want to be creative director and oversee your entire uh, everything. And they're like, well, we don't have that position. I said, you should make that position and you should put me in that position. So I didn't really leave with much confidence uh, after that. I was very confident in, you know, pitching and uh, pitching myself and, and pitched. And then they called me and I got out of the subway and I checked my, you know, little razor flip phone, flipped it open. And it was like, uh, hey, I just want to let you know that we're going to accept your offer of 60000 a year and 
Uh, we're going to give you full benefits and everything. Yeah. So I was in Astor Place uh, in New York City because I lived off of uh, St. Mark's. So I got off at uh, 8th at St. Mark's there. And, you know, I just got out and flipped the thing. And I was, like, ah, I was so amped up. I was so excited. Like, you know, one of those like in the movies, like hugging and kissing like strangers, like in the street because you're so excited. And I mean, I was fired up because I had no idea what I was going to do. I agreed to, you know, the apartment with this guy and, um, I, I, I didn't know, I had no idea what I was going to do. So in, in terms of going up there and risking everything, that is one of probably three times in my history that I've risked everything for a dream and risked homelessness for a dream. And, uh, and, and just, you know, believing in yourself and believing in the thing that you're going after, not making stupid decisions. Like I, I wasn't making really stupid decisions. I was making, uh, calculated, you know, uh, decisions that weren't necessarily smart, but they weren't stupid. Um, you know, it's not like I was moving there without having a place to live. You know, I had a place, but I had a backup plan B. Like I would just go get a bar job. Like, uh, you know, it would be easy for me to get a bar job. Would I make enough money to pay rent? I don't know. I might have to get two bar jobs, you know, uh, just figure it out. But point is, like, I've risked homelessness several times now. And each time I have um, rested on my own work ethic and my own desire and my own passion, and my own willing to do whatever it takes. And I broke through to create the success that was on the other side all three times. And I will do it again and again and again, because I have the confidence that I can rest on myself. I have no confidence in other people. When I give something to somebody else, I have no confidence that, you know, unless it's my staff, but if it's somebody that is not directly working for me, somebody that's, you know, outside of my circle, I have no confidence at all in, in other people because I'm never going to let somebody put me in the position that's going to put me out on the street or whatever. But if it's on myself or my staff, I have the confidence in us to do what we need to do and get it done. I will never put that in somebody else's hands. So, you know, for example, I will never go and hire a marketing person or a marketing company or a marketing agency to go and market one of our products and understanding that they have to achieve X result in order to, you know, do something. I would much rather have, uh, like buy a course and have that go to one of my team members and then have my team members say, all right, I'm going to go through this course, figure it out. And then at the end of it, we'll, we'll do and execute this, uh, game plan. So I don't put all of my eggs in somebody else's basket. We keep them in our own baskets and we have uh, like a team, like uh, whatever it takes mentality. And if we have to work on the weekends, we work on the weekends. If we have to work overnight, we work overnight. We do whatever it takes. And I'm the leader of that because they've seen me do it time and time and time again. And I do it and I accomplish it and I reach our goals every single time. I never let them down. Therefore, they never let me down. And if I was a person always cracking the whip, I've never cracked a whip. If I was cracking the whip, they wouldn't work like that for us, but because I go and do it every single time and I'm the leader of our organization, the team and the organization will reciprocate that. And because of that, we are invincible. So from that standpoint, just saying, you know, what, what was it that I did? 
I learned how to become invincible because I took on my own uh, uh, abilities to say, if I can't do something, I'm going to learn how to do it. There is absolutely nothing that we can't accomplish because there is an infinite amount of uh, knowledge and wealth of knowledge in the world. And all we have to do is tap into it and apply it to our life and to our business. And we are invincible. And that's, that's our uh, mission statement. That's our overall belief. That's amazing. And I love the progression of taking the things that you've learned and that you've used to become successful and instilling that into your team's philosophy as part of you know your, your core values. I think that's brilliant. And, and I think there's a lot to learn from that. So while you were at that job, mm-hmm. while you were um, you know kind of cutting your teeth, if you will, even more, would you say that the things that you learned there technically were more important, like the technical skills you learned there were more important, or the values that you developed through being in an environment like that and seeing how things operated from a from a sky high point of view, like thirty thousand foot view. Like, what was more impactful, and what were some of your key takeaways from that specifically? The company was a mess. The company was um, they were getting sued by the state. Uh, they they lost a lawsuit, and they had to change all of their um, marketing copy. Their marketing copy was seen as uh, somewhat deceiving at that point. So I was given the task right out of the gate, first reputation management. So that was one of the things that, because I, I knew SEO, I got good at SEO. If you remember, like in 2005, 2006, people were like, oh, do you know SEO? So I went through and learned SEO. So for two years, I started ranking in search engines, right? So I was like, all right, yeah, I can do SEO. I can fix, you know, some of these reputation, you know, issues, put some other articles online and so forth. So that was one aspect. But the other aspect of it was, uh, you know, somewhat of that, um, you know, competition or, you know, taking on, you know, uh, something that seemed impossible and trying to accomplish it. And the impossibility was taking something that was, you know, uh, quote unquote shady. So shady marketing tactics that were working very well at driving, you know, revenue, uh, frontline revenue, not, you know, chargebacks and everything else was, it was what it was, but I'm talking frontline revenue. I had to beat it. Like my job in 2008, stepping into this company was to beat advertising that they had been running since 1999. That was somewhat shady and somewhat, uh, controversial in, in a sense. And I had to beat their advertising. How do you beat advertising that is, um, you know, it, it's, it wasn't like, you know, a scam or anything, but it was shady. You know, it was not telling them the full truth right up front. I said, we can beat it. And then they called my campaign the straight sell. So when I had my line items, they would have their control. And then they had Matt's straight sell. Like you will never be able to sell this with your straight sell. They will not buy it with your straight sell. And I'm like, yes, they will. They will buy it because I will write the persuasive copy that gets them to want to take action. They're like, all right, well, beat it. And I'm like, okay, I beat it every single time. Every single email that I sent was the best email. Every single like subject line was the best subject line. Every single thing that I did was the best 
at what it was that we were trying to achieve. Every single thing that I did. And I won like, like they would do all these awards and different things at the company, you know, who has the best subject line, all that. Every single time I won. And then it got to the point that I just disqualified myself and then had my staff be the people that could win. I kept disqualifying myself because every single time I was winning, I was winning every single time. And the reason for that was, you know, I went, I did my homework. I did the research. I went and I looked at other sweepstakes that were winning. I went and looked at other companies. I went and, you know, borrowed ideas and started, you know, developing my own ideas. And, and it was that moment in time that I realized what I was good at and what I was good at at that point in time is what I sell now. What I was good at then is what my academy is. What I was good at is what my inner circle teaches, is how to research your competition, how to find ways that you're better, create your unique selling proposition, and how to beat your competition by writing persuasive copy and presentations. That's everything that I do now is help my clients. Uh, they also can use my technology and you know some of the things that I created. But what I do is I consult for a small group of people and I help them to overcome those things that I overcame in 2008 for that company. So if I didn't go and work for that company, I would have never learned on such a high level of what I was good at. And I would have never been able to take a company that was going like down the tubes, turn the whole thing around, create marketing campaigns that weren't only, uh, you know, legit and, you know, transparent, but they were better than the shady ones. And I beat it. And then we, we noticed that a trend started happening that over a year, because it's a subscription base, over a year, two years, three years, that the people that were signing up were sticking at a higher rate when it was more transparent. So they had a turnover at like three to four months. They were noticing that my turnover was closer to eight, nine months. So if my average turnover was twice as long, you make twice as much money. And that's it. And I proved it through that model. And that's where I learned at that point in time through working with a company that was just primed and ready for Matt to step in and fix the problem. They have plenty of capital. They have plenty of, you know, uh, uh, resources. They have everything online. They just needed a tweak. They needed a course correction. And I came in at the right time, corrected the course and went on that the uh, CEO ended up saying in several meetings, if it wasn't for Matt coming along, we would all be out of a job right now. So they sold the company and, you know, I transitioned out. I learned what it was that I was good at. And here we are. And I get to do what I did for that company for all their businesses every single day. That's incredible. So let's, we talk a lot about your past and mm -hmm. I appreciate you being so transparent and open about sharing those things um, because I know, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot in, in, you know, I, I'm very appreciative of that. So let's talk now about the present. What are all of the things that you're working on right now and how do they all work together to help you accomplish your overall dream? Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, we were running, uh, an agency for several years, right? Like we were, you know, working with clients. Uh, we got up to 20, 30 clients, right? And it was two years ago, uh, about two years ago, I decided I want to shut down our agency and stop working for clients. And that was the point where I started really learning my value 
it's I'm making people, you know, tens of millions of dollars and, you know, I'm not getting paid anywhere close to that, you know? So when I started realizing the value, I said, okay, instead of us working with, you know, 30 clients, why don't we run our own like five companies? So at this point, I now own seven companies and uh, a couple of them were not really marketing and working on right now at this very moment in time. But uh, in, in a couple of them, I didn't really mean to make. I, I didn't mean to create the companies, but uh, something happened and I ended up becoming an owner of the company. So uh, we, we went, I, I have my scale up media, which is, you know, my academy where I'm mentoring people and, you know, doing calls and helping people with that tweak, that little pivot. So I work with those people and uh, very happy with our client base and, you know, what we do. And I, I dedicate my Mondays to clients usually. And I had a, uh, I had a, uh, somebody cancel. So I had this spot for you today. So, uh, that said my Monday is dedicated to clients. Right. And then from there, like later on, I can get into our companies, but the rest of the week, my team works with our clients and I work on mostly our businesses. And then I have some team members that are dedicated to other aspects of our businesses and so forth. So, uh, that said, the academy and the different mentorship that I have. Then on top of that, uh, we created last year a supplement product line, another entrepreneur and myself, which I was working with him and uh, Alex Becker, uh, you might know Alex. And uh, I was working with him and helping him out with building his technology. And he said something to me as well, which helped me with my value. He was like, Matt, why do you keep doing this for me? And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, why do you keep building out my programs, my affiliate programs? Like, what are you doing? Like, why don't you just do this for yourself? Like, you're building out my webinars and building all my stuff. Why aren't you doing this for you? I'm like, man, I like working with you. He's like, all right, that's cool. Like, whatever, keep making me money. That's cool. So uh, from that, you know, he ended up, uh, you know, pitching the concept because I was working with a doctor in, in this uh, uh, company that we built doing IV hydration. We're trying to expand that product line to uh, include uh, some other, you know, products that people can take at home. So we created uh, Spectre Labs, which is a nootropic as well as a gut product. We created this product line and uh, I absolutely loved creating the product line, creating the whole business with Alex and with the doctor and our other, you know, people that formulated and so forth. Absolutely stoked on that product. Take it every single day. Uh, it's part of my you know, high energy, high performance, you know, I'm up and at it, you know, focused, energized, uh, stop drinking coffee, stop doing, you know, a lot of that because I was crashing, you know, ups and downs of coffee. Now I just drink a little bit of tea, which we're uh, working on some different teas and so forth right now, but, uh, drink a tea as well as, uh, take our brain supplements. It gives me the focus and the clarity in order to have a successful day. So then everyone I work with and the, the, you know, customers I'm working with and people I'm, you know, coaching and all those people, I get them into our supplement because what better to optimize the performance of your marketing and everything you're doing than to optimize yourself. So get started there. So we have that supplement product line. And then uh, also we have our uh, uh, my credits platform. So we built this uh, platform for small businesses. I said, uh, you know, why can't I have a, a um, rewards program quite like a lot of the companies that I have on my phone and why can't my clients have a rewards program and you know we're coaches and I want people to watch more of my content why don't I incentivize them the more content they watch the more uh, rewards they earn and I'll pay them 
for learning from me. So I literally pay my people to learn from me. You watch my videos and you get paid. So it's uh, uh, definitely an interesting concept that we built there. So that's mycredits.io and we're, we're selling that and uh, building that out. We're building a new feature right now that is um, getting it so it's tracking referrals. So your customers can refer other customers when they sign up then they'll earn more credits for the referral, but then we're tracking it down the line as well. So as those people you uh, refer into the co the company, they sign up for and buy or you know take any sort of action with social media, you'll receive a percentage of uh, uh, credits as well earned back into your account also. So we're building an entire referral system inside of the system, and uh, we're, we're branching out to open our API to uh, other software companies that they can start uh, rewarding credits inside of their API and so forth. So just crazy, crazy technology that we've built there. Uh, we could talk more about the future in a second. Uh, just just nuts what we built. And then we built uh, what I kind of fell into was uh, press demand, which I built press demand uh, with uh, a PR uh, co-founder. And uh, then she took a step out like, and said, I, I don't really want to um, you know, continue going on running this business. Like, I, I don't think that I want to run software. I don't have the, really the time. I'm like, all right, so I guess I'll keep running this. So that's you know, the point we're at. I'm continuing to go forward with Pressman. I believe in the platform. We have a ton of contributors and a ton of, uh, like we have Forbes on there and a ton of like, you know, contributors to these big networks. And our customers are giving warm introductions, pitches to all these contributors. So it was how I got verified on Facebook was I used, you know, all these uh, media sources in order to get all this press. I compiled all that press, sent it to Facebook. They verified me. It helped to build my authority and build all those things. Why not offer that for my clients and for my customers in a warm introduction, teach them how to pitch, teach them how to pitch the contributors and let them pitch to these hundreds of uh, of contributors, build them up to thousands and build that platform. So believe uh, uh, a lot in that platform as well. Then we have some other businesses that I've been working on, but mostly that's my focus between Spectre, you know, the, the, the nootropics and the supplements optimizing yourself. And then my credits is the, you know, platform for optimizing how your customers engage with your business. And then uh, press demand, how you uh, grow your authority and grow that message out to the world and, you know, build your influence and so forth. So I feel like we have a good stack of products and they all interweave very well to serve my best customer, which is, you know, uh, motivators and, you know, uh, entrepreneurs and, uh, uh, coaches and consultants and all these people. These are my, uh, best customers. And these are the best people that I can serve. I want to continue to create products for them that help them in their life and help them in their business. And that's what my mission statement is. That's incredible. And I love how everything that you're doing builds on top of itself. And, and it's just, it's almost compounding all of the other things by working together. That's a, that's incredible. And, and again, thank you for sharing. Oh, um, absolutely. So you talked a lot about optimization, right? When you, when you were younger, you would go into a job and you would optimize the process. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about your supplement business, how you're optimizing your your brain and, and your gut and yourself. Mm -hmm. And it seems like that's been another recurring theme uh, throughout 
the the time that we've spent together. So when it comes to optimization, how do you make sure to optimize your day to be the most effective that you could possibly be? Glad that you asked that. That's a really good question. So um, from time to time, I'm looking down. It's just I'm just sending people like, you know, sending staff to where they need to be doing. Uh, everything is completely optimized in our company. And uh, we, we optimize it in such a way that um, I meet with my developers in the morning. That's the first thing that I do because they need to be working throughout the day and they need clarification on things. So every single morning, uh, seven days a week, I meet with my development staff to answer all of their questions and everything is organized in Trello. So we use Trello as a productivity app to organize all of our bugs and everything is sorted into uh, you know, things that are ideas and bugs and then our next column is uh, uh, ready for work and then working and then uh, QA and then done. So we just move all the, the cards, you know, uh, back to back to back and move them along. So uh, with that said, you know, we, we focus on uh, our optimization. We focus on, you know, getting those things done for the day and getting each one of these things uh, uh, done and online and accomplished. And uh, then from there, I use Slack for internal conversations with uh, the team. We have two Slack channels, one of them and it's reciprocated. One of them's with our projects, and that's just the internal team. And then if we have any external team, we have that reciprocated on another Slack channel. So we have everything uh, documented. So we can have our internal conversations on the blue channel and you know our outside conversations on the orange channel. So everything is so organized, right? And then uh, from there, my day is organized into, I only have calls with new onboarding clients uh, between X time and X time. I don't take any calls outside of those times. And then each and everything is so well structured into their place that, you know, conversations go into my project manager. And then, you know, if he's unable to get it accomplished, then it goes to, you know, a next phase and a next phase. And um, just everything's completely automated. Like every single piece of everything that we do is 100% automated. It, it, it's just, it's unreal. Like it's unreal the levels of automation with, you know, Zapier and other platforms and what we're able to do with the technology is like what, you know, I always wanted to do in terms of all these other companies, but I didn't know how to optimize because I didn't have the technology until I have it today. And now we use and leverage uh, productivity that I accomplish in one day, probably what most people accomplish in a week or a month. And I accomplish it at each and every single day. And then if you take each one of my staff that also work off the same optimization, they then are accomplishing what I accomplish in a day as well. So we have this whole network of people that are just totally optimized. And it's just, it's incredible. It's incredible when you have that organization inside of your, uh, inside of your company, when you instill that optimization. So for somebody who is trying to achieve that level of optimization because it's almost like you're hacking time in a in a mm -hmm. in a way how can somebody who might be a little bit disorganized right now may not have the right tech in place may not even you know have the system where do they start to get to that level of optimization and how do they 
how do they get to that point that that you are if that's possible for oh yeah every like i think that everyone can be to this point i just feel that um what we need to do is get on a phone call you need to talk to somebody like me if you don't talk to me talk to somebody like me and have us identify inside of your organization where you can optimize and let that person help you to find what what it is that you need to accomplish fantastic and again all the things that we've been talking about are so incredibly valiant not not we you all the things that you've been saying are so incredibly valuable to everybody that's listening seriously i highly encourage you guys and gals to go back and listen to this a couple times really internalized lessons that matt's been sharing and they've truly been a gift so i highly encourage you to go back and listen to this a couple times so let's now talk about the future right mm -hmm. and i'm really excited to talk about it because all the things that you've been doing i mean you've been describing and, and you've been living an incredible journey thus far mm -hmm. so where is it going where do you see yourself in one five ten twenty years where do you see matt going in the future I want to impact as many people as possible. And I, I hear that all the time on, you know, our kickoff calls. Like I have, you know, a call with our, you know, academy members and I get to learn a little bit about what they're doing and our inner circle members and so forth. And every single time I hear them say, oh, I want to make an impact. I want to make a huge impact. But they don't know how and where and why. And ex they don't know the details of how to create that impact. I know exactly how I'm going to impact the world. And that is what makes me so excited on what, what I'm doing. So I want to impact uh, in the next year the way that customers connect with uh, – the way that uh, companies connect with their customers. I want to impact that because I feel that uh, the technology that we have right now, the ways that we're connecting with our customers uh, in terms of online businesses is very weak. And we're not – uh, creating those incentives through, you know, loyalty rewards programs. We're not connecting with our customers. And, uh, you know, th there are people that are hiring people like me and companies that are hiring people like me to go in and set up all their retargeting ads and set up new ads every single week to, you know, their latest videos or their latest campaigns. But I built a system that automates that entire process and it will send out your latest offers and your latest videos and your latest social and everything to, you know, the, the, the automates that entire process. So as I go out and, and build my credits and build this company, I want to impact a hundred million customers on how they connect with their uh, businesses. And then also beyond that, I want to start taking the conversations uh, somewhat off of Facebook and bring them into my credits and bring them into this platform that we've built where other companies can find other loyal customers and find those people and turn them into their customers as well. So we've built, um, uh, okay, I'll reveal it. Uh, we've built an ad system inside of our system so you can actually advertise inside of our system. And we built an entire feed where companies will be able to uh, have a stream of all of their offers and customers are able to see it just like Facebook. And it's all companies and it's all loyal customers inside of a platform that are connecting with a message and uh, just propagating all of this uh, information into a place 
that they can connect with companies and companies can find new customers through a platform because, you know, Facebook is great, but it's not built for companies to connect with customers. It's built for people to connect with people. So we've built a new loyalty, somewhat of a uh, social network, if you will, for companies to connect with customers. So that is one of the most exciting things that we've, that we've built and that we've realized that we built and uh, we kind of fell into it and it's like, oh wow, like we ended up creating somewhat of a social network for companies to connect with customers and for customers to find new companies that they can engage with beyond just the systems that we have now. And um, that's really exciting. So I want to impact through my credits 100 million customers and just just absolutely just build this massive network of how companies connect with customers and how they show them their content and how they engage with them inside of the, the platform that we built. So when it comes to that connection between company and customer, what is your philosophy on how to best create that connection? Like what is what is the foundation of that connection? Because there are I mean there are superficial connections and and then there are those truly deep and meaningful connections and it would be my assumption and please correct me if I'm wrong that we're looking here for the deep connections, right? So yeah. so what is your philosophy on how those connections are made and and what are the foundations and the building blocks of those truly deep, meaningful connections? Video. Video is how to connect best with your customer. And that is what we strongly believe in. And we've looked at all the data. We've looked at all the data of what video is going to do over the next 10 years. And video is going to take over all forms of uh, uh, communication uh, you know, a lot of the television that we consume today in 10 years won't even be what it is that we consume today. Everything's going to be online. The way that, you know, custom, uh, companies are advertising online is completely going to change. Everything is pivoting away from, you know, the pay-per-click model. And it's more of a, uh, you know, pay-per-customer type, uh, uh, you know, environment. And it's it's absolutely going to change. Digital advertising is in its infancy uh, if, if not, you know, toddler right now. And as it starts getting into the teenager and, you know, the later on over the next 10, 20 years, it's going to completely shift and everything's going to be video based. You're not going to see ad banners. You're not going to see pop-ups. You're not going to see, um, you know, people still read in a sense, but you know, as you see like wall street journal and all these other, uh, companies that are forcing you to pay in order to, you know, uh, uh consume their content, I think it's going to shift. I think the companies are going to start paying the customers to consume content. So that's why I built a platform to allow the company to start paying the customer instead of vice versa. Because as the company starts uh, paying for your attention and they'll pay you for your attention and you can engage with that content, you'll make the decision if you're going to take action with that company, whether it's buying products from them or uh, doing whatever that next step is. And uh, we built a platform that automates that entire process uh, for small businesses, as well as, I mean, I would love to, you know, have big businesses come in and say, hey, Matt, how can we use, you know, my credits for our franchise or whatever that might be. So it's uh, video. Video is the future and it's how we connect. We connect emotionally through video. We don't connect through text on, uh, on pages. 
uh, or images, still images, we connect through video. And that's why we built a platform around video. So when it comes to video, and, you know, I, I want to get a little tactical here, mm -hmm. um, but in the in the spirit of keeping this evergreen, um, you know, I'd, I'd like to talk about, like, the, the fundamental tactics that are going to be helpful for years and years down the road. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to video and you're a small business owner, you know, you, some people are, are trying to stay more behind the scenes where they don't really want to be on video. They don't want to be the face of their company, of their brand. How does somebody like that still take advantage of this emerging trend and still adopt a video first marketing strategy? Yeah, I would um, go and find uh, somebody with influence who is able to, you know, you know, create persuasive content and hire them for your company and make them your spokesperson, make them your, the front of your company, because uh, social media engagement isn't what it was, um, uh, you know, five years ago. Today, it's nothing like that. In five years, it's going to be completely changed. Like the uh, post, uh, the, this one company that I was working with was doing really good and posting video and posting content and connecting with their audience and doing all this stuff. And then the one person left the company and, uh, somebody else came in and they're like, Oh, this person can take over the social media management. And now the posts are just garbage, you know, like no one's engaging with it. The company's, you know, going downhill because of the posts, not connecting with the person because it's the emotional connection that we have to our customers that make our customers come back. I mean, you can even see that in, you know, Apple, for example, Apple, when we lost the connection to Steve Jobs, when we lost that connection with his business, you know, the company has been suffering and you, you can see it. I mean, the company has grown, you know, the products that they've built and so forth, but you can see the loyalty to that company. If something else popped up right now, that was creating Apple type products like on that sort of vision of what Steve Jobs had, but a different brand, you would see a mass exodus right now of everyone leaving Apple. And in 10 years, maybe that happens. Maybe a, a new competitor comes online and, and has that mission statement of Steve Jobs and fits that gap. And everyone that's on Apple right now that's unhappy, which I'm, you know, Apple, 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 Apple all around me. Uh, so it's not like I'm not, but when that company comes up, that's in the gap, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot the gap. I'm going for it. I'm going to shift all of my technology away from Apple over to whatever that connection is that that new influencer, that new business owner, that new person comes through and brings that to me. I'm changing. And that is monumental. Like you're talking about a trillion dollar company that is going to go out of business. If somebody pops up, and meets that connection to fill me and millions of people that have voiced the same opinion to fit that gap and fit that uh, uh, marketplace. It's it's a game over for Apple in a sense because they'll you know start dropping off. So let's say somebody has you know they they have their camera, they have their lights, they have their microphone, they have all the technical things that they need in order to execute. A video strategy but they're still struggling to truly connect with their audience and with their customers and with mm -hmm. other people how would you advise that somebody in that position go about building that skill set 
mm-hmm. in order to be able to truly build those meaningful connections with their audience. Yeah, it's actually the fundamental of all of my training, the academy that I have. It's the fundamental of everything I have. Is to It's hours and hours of content. And I had somebody just message me yesterday and say, you know, I just went through it and I've been successful in my business. I went through this and you made me realize in those videos, I have no idea what I'm doing. You made me realize that I'm attracting the wrong customer. I'm targeting the wrong customer with my messaging. Um, my competition is not who I think my competition is. And I need to rethink all of this. And you gave me the steps and you gave me uh, the things that I need to do in order to accomplish that. So to, in order to answer your question, I have like hours of content that I've gone deep into. So uh, in short, it's who is your true competition, right? Who is your true competition that you're competing with? I compete with the NFL. You know, when the NFL is on TV, I'm competing with them for your attention. So who is your true competition? Who are you competing with? Netflix. You're competing with all these different things. That's what you're competing with. So how do you overcome your message of motivation and, you know, personal development and all these things? How do you overcome that? How do you tell the story? How do you connect with them uh, on, on the first touch, second touch, third touch, and so forth to touch seven, and then they buy your product, right? How do you take them through that process? That's what I do. So in short... That's what I do all day, every day. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. And so for somebody who's looking to um, really get more involved with you and to acquire that skill set, where do they need to go? What action do they need to take? Because this is incredibly important. And I feel like we've been really honing in on, on, I guess, the the key, like the, the fundamental um, or, or one of the fundamentals to your success. And it seems like this is a very, very core element of it. So, um, oh, absolutely. yeah. So, so how do people really, uh, take the next step in, in that? Specific yeah. Avenue? Whichever your preferred social media is, I'm on all of them. Um, find me, connect with me. I'm going to have some awesome content. I put up free content all the time. So you're going to have some awesome free stuff. Like today I posted something great, you know, you can go and go through it and it's like, wow, that's really insightful, right? And every single thing that I post is of value. So I try to make every single thing that I do valuable. So take some time, watch something, connect with something that I have out there in the world, whichever platform you prefer. And then through that platform, there's always a way to contact me. So jump on and uh, contact me if if you can. Fantastic. So Matt, I do appreciate so, so much you spending so much time today on on the interview and sharing so much value. Uh, I do have a few more questions for you, um, and, and then you know we'll wrap up pretty soon. I can only imagine how busy you must be. Um, so earlier in the, uh, in the episode, you talked about one of your theories, and I believe mm-hmm. it was the theory of an individual's purpose and chasing passion. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that theory aside, what are your other main theories in this life? Um, I believe that, you know, well, I mean the meaning of life, I can give you the meaning of life right now. Um, you know, Matt's meaning of life, right? So, um, the meaning of life is to take care of other people and to, we are put here on this planet, on this earth to be good to other people and to take care of other people. And, uh, that's it. You know, every single thing, uh, boils down to that. If you break down every single religion and every single 
you know, everything, it's take care of other people. So have that purpose first in everything that you do. Take care of others. Do whatever you can best to take care of others. Uh, just understand the money will eventually come. Money is not the driver of the world. Um, the, the main driver of the world is people doing good things. So do good things and the money will come after. Um, the, my second biggest belief is that the most important thing that you need to take care of after you know other people and doing what you can out there in the world uh, to do good in the world is to take care of yourself. Because if you're unhealthy, if you're not taking care of yourself, there's no way that you can be successful in this world. You have to take care of your health. You have to make that focus uh, to take care of your health. So take care of yourself, take care of other people. Uh, you know, one of those things like, you know, if the oxygen mask comes down, put the oxygen mask on you first and then start helping others uh, with putting on their oxygen mask. So, uh, you know, do that. And, uh, uh, you know, the belief of, you know, family and, and all of that as well as being, um, you know, such a core of, uh, my beliefs. And then I feel that all those things come together to create true wealth because you cannot be wealthy without having a, a, a core family, friends, and your inner circle. You cannot be wealthy without health and you cannot be wealthy without having a, a vision of purpose and good and things that you're doing in the world. And then money is the fifth thing the, to create wealth. And once you have all those things, uh, you got your, uh, uh, you have finally you have wealth. So build towards your wealth, not by focusing only on money, but by focusing equally on those other things as well. So when you are learning, when you're going about acquiring new knowledge, how do you make sure that the thing or the person or, or whoever you're gaining this knowledge from or, or through whatever method you are gaining that knowledge, how do you make sure that that is, I don't know if worthy is the right word, but, but that that, I guess, aligns with your values, that that piece of information or, or that source is something that you want to invest your time into to gain that knowledge from? How do you vet that? I look at their values. I look at that person's core values. If they're aligned with mine, then I go and let's go at it. If their core values aren't aligned with mine, I don't pay attention because I see so many people in the world who are focused way too much on the wrong things. And if you're focusing on the wrong things, you might have some great value to add to my life. But if you're focused on other aspects of your life on the wrong things, that will end up translating into a pain later on in my life. So I need to only focus myself with other people who are, uh, have the same, uh, core values and, uh, who are focused on the right things. And that's what I, that's what I aim towards. Okay. I have a few quick, uh, fun questions that I, that mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you. Um, so in Halloween of 2015, mm -hmm. pretty sure you said you dressed up as Clark Kent. Yep. Do you still dress up as Clark Kent from time to time. Is that, is that still a thing or have you shifted to a different superhero now? That is the last time I dressed up for Halloween. I haven't done a single other Halloween since then. So that was the last, I think it was because it was my first with my girlfriend at that time. 
And uh, I, I was really invested in, you know, success and, you know, seriousness and whatnot. I, I was being very serious about life, uh, you know, coming through there and, uh, you know, focused on writing my book and doing all the things, whatever. So, um, you know, I did that that year and I dressed up that one year and, um, that was it. I haven't done it again. So like literally it's, I don't, I don't, I don't make it out much. <laughs> I've been working like really hard, but I'm telling you, like it's, it's worth it. Like it's definitely worth it on the, in the end. And you know, every, uh, uh, trip that I make, you know, uh, we get to travel around the world and whatnot. I don't dress up like Superman, but, um, you know, when, when we travel and when we do those things, you know, we're able to travel for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks at a time, and we can go do whatever we want and live the life that we want. And it's because we make the sacrifices throughout the rest of the year and I don't do anything else. So, um, when I'm focused, I'm focused when I'm, you know, when I'm Superman or, you know, doing whatever I'm a hundred percent doing that. So I am a hundred percent present at what it is that I need to be doing. So you also mentioned that uh, you have you built back up your guitar collection with your amps and your different guitars. Um, how long have you been playing, and do you do you still play? Is that like a catharsis for you, or how does how does music? Uh, what role does music play in your life now? Oh, absolutely. So um, back in uh, like thirteen, I started playing thirteen, twelve, thirteen, and uh, I started a little bit before that on the piano, and uh, then you know, some other horn instruments and so forth. And then, you know, found the guitar and found that passion and started playing in bands and started like touring and doing that. And, uh, I ended up managing bands and, and helping bands to get, uh, signed to record labels and doing all of that, uh, helped with growing social media accounts for bands and, and all of that for years. And I thought that I wanted to go into music and, and do that. And uh, I still, you know, record music and still do stuff from time to time. Uh, just for fun now, it's more for me, not for, uh, you know, anything else, but, uh, I play, you know, almost every single day, you know, I'll be on a call or something that I don't need to be on audio and I'm just, you know, playing and, you know, just on the call, just listening. And, um, you know, just every single thing, um, goes back to, you know, music, finding your focus, finding your, you know, whatever that thing is, you know, some people meditate, some people, you know, go on runs, some people, you know, go to the gym every day. Uh, I play music every day and that's my, uh, that's my focus. That's my meditation. That's great. That's fantastic. I actually, I've been playing too for, uh, for probably seven or eight years now. And awesome, it's, man. Uh, it's, like you said, it, it really is like a meditation. Truly. Yeah. Truly you you have to have something, you have to have some, uh, uh, some basis of, you know, understanding of why we do what we do and, you know, take a moment to quiet your mind and, it's a great, it's a great way to quiet your mind because, you know, you have two hands and both hands are on the guitar and they're not on technology and you can focus on that. And that's taking technology out of the, uh, mix helps you to have better vision as you, um, you know, focus on the future. Absolutely. So I have two questions. It's a two part question, right? Mm -hmm. Similar, but but uh, materially different mm -hmm. to where it's worth asking both, in my opinion. The first is, is there anything about yourself 
that I did not ask you about today that you think is an important part of who you are? Um, it's mm, a good question. Uh, I think you got everything in terms of business, uh, in terms of that, like, um, you know, maybe I would ask a little bit more about like friendships. Uh, if you were to dig into that, you talk a little bit about family, but you don't really talk about friendships. So that would be one key indicator of, you know, how people look for friends and how you, uh, uh look for different friendships and what you look for in friendships. And, um, my friendships, like just to answer the question would be, um, you know, that I look for people who are on my level and helping me to go to the next level. So I identify these, uh, you know, physical levels of life. And, uh, I try to get around people who are kind of similar and on a similar mission. And that ends up having such a better energy as everyone is kind of in the same passion and has the same passions and motivation and, uh, mission. And, you know, when you, when you're around like-minded people, really good things tend to happen. So, um, I, I try to find more and more people who are like-minded like me. So the last question that I have for you, and again, I appreciate so much the time that, uh, that, that you have given to this interview. It's, uh, it's truly been a gift. Um, the last question is, what question should I be asking you mm -hmm. in my position? A little bit of a, of a selfish question, if you'll uh, yeah. indulge me. Um, but somebody in my position, I'm 24 years old, you know, building multiple businesses. What mm -hmm. question should I be asking you that I would not think to ask? Okay. Um, <clears throat> what is the one thing that you can do today? right now today to make a change or, or to improve your situation today, not tomorrow, not the next day. What's something that you can do right now today in order to make a change? Because I feel that a lot of the advice that people are going to give you and a lot of the down the road and as you, you know, continue to mature in uh, entrepreneurship and in life and everything in the world, uh, people are going to give you goals that are this week, this month, this year, Focus on today. Focus on what you can do today to make an improvement of 1% or more. Fix that 1% each day. And if it's something today you need to do and then you'll just do that every day, and then tomorrow, ask the same question. What is it that I need to do today? And then day three, what is it that I need to do today? Always focus on today. Don't focus on tomorrow. So ask that question to people and that will identify that to you to uh, show you what you need to do today in order to make a change. That's great. Thank you. And so, Matt, I do again want to thank you so, so much for coming on the interview. It, uh, it has been a ton of fun and, um, you know, I hope that you've enjoyed it as much as I have. And to everybody who is, uh, who's listening, I love you guys. Thank y'all and, and gals. Thank y'all so much for, uh, for coming on the show, supporting the show. You're the reason that, uh, that we do this. So thank you so much. Matt, do you want to uh, leave us with a few last words before we wrap up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, th I think that, you know, those listening, um, the, you can listen to things like this. You can go and listen to other podcasts, other episodes. You can read other books and you can do all these different things and you can build all this knowledge and build all this information. But if you don't take action, if you don't take action on the things you're learning, it all means nothing. 
Action is the only thing that creates the value of the knowledge that you have. You have to take action. If you're not taking action, it's all worthless. All this time was completely worthless for you. Take action. And it doesn't matter if it's imperfect action. It just has to be action. And then learn from that and then continue going forward each day. All right. So with that, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll take a wrap, everybody. We've been talking with Matt Ganzak from Michigan. Take care and have a fantastic day. Whew.